Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, welcome to the Ken 7 podcast. Today, joining me, uh, I have veterans of 16 European Cup Finals and 11 FA Cup Finals. And joining me are Eddie Jones, Steve Jones and Paul Moran. Boys, welcome. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, it's been a, a whirlwind 24 hours and um, a lot of emotions, high, low, and then we've had a resolution. So, Paul, I'm going to start with you. I mean, what's your reaction to what's... I think rather than talk about what's actually happened, let's just concentrate on what's happened in the last 24 hours and where we are now. What's your reaction to to what's happened? Obviously, they withdrew last night, and then obviously we've got a, a video from John Henry this morning? Uh, I'm absolutely astonished that the owners, which it appears to be completely owner-driven, this uh, European Super League, the joining of it and any participation in it has been fully through the owners. And how they could do something like that without speaking to anyone on the management staff or the playing staff. I'm not talking about fans here because you can get carried away with fan involvement. But certainly, it appears the players don't know about it. The manager didn't seem to know that it had reached that point. And the fact that, you know, you don't want to just criticise people out of hand, but how the owners can get into this position, again, if you like, with something that's really antagonised the fans, who are after all the ones who, under normal circumstances, are giving the team the support they need, which you can see this season we've not had and where we are in the league and how we played in some games. I think the support's all important with us. But how... It, I, I'm just baffled by it, to be honest. A lot of people said to me, what would your dad think? Uh, and obviously the politics was a vastly different situation. My dad finished in 98. But there was nothing like this ever went on there. I have no idea how my dad would have reacted to it, to be honest. But decisions being taken above boardroom level that the players and staff are not being a, a major decisions as well. It, it's it's baffling to me. And he's done this heartfelt, inverted commas, apology again, which he's done, I think, three or four times now about various issues. But if they go, it's who you get in and whether you're in the same position. You know, there's a lot of other clubs posturing about they you know, who weren't invited. I'm not mentioning the local one, I'll say Leeds. But Leeds are making such a fuss about this. I don't know why they're making such a fuss about it. You know, other than they were playing us on Monday night and they took the opportunity to get a few brownie points with the rest of the league, if you like. But it, it's it's more baffling than anything else. It, it's an amazing situation. I, I can't really 
see how the not that you say the club, you see, you say the blanket phrase of the club. This has all come from the owner and whoever's advising him. And whoever's advising them clearly have got no idea about the heritage of the club or what the fans would have reacted to that. Now, again, it's not kicking us out the league, which a lot, I think a lot of people think it meant we wouldn't play in the Premier League. It was a new league that excluded Leicester, Brighton, you know, people, Newcastle United. It was going to be a midweek league, but obviously if it wasn't sanctioned by UEFA, you could get kicked out the Premier League as well. So I do understand that side of it, but I think a lot of people are going on the basis we were leaving the Premier League and that was never part of it, as far as I'm aware. But the fact that it's such a half arse thing is what's caused all the trouble. Mm. So I mean, Steve, it's, it's interesting what Paul says there about consulting the fans. Now, Tony Barrett, was obviously a celebrated journalist, worked at the Times, worked at the Echo. He was brought in as a go-between to, to judge fan opinion, and he's on the staff now. I can't imagine that he was even consulted before, and is that how you read the situation as well? I think it's pretty clear to me, Gav, that, that if Jurgen Klopp didn't know anything about this, Tony Barrett wouldn't know anything about it either, to be, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it's been a, an absolutely bizarre 48 hours, hasn't it? Um, you know, I think that the interesting thing now is that the genie's out the ball on this. I don't think it really came as any particular surprise to any of us. I mean, it's been talked about for some time. It was just the guys that this Super League, if you like, was, was going to take place. And I, I think most right-thinking football fans, whether they be Liverpool fans... United fans, Chelsea fans, whoever it may be, would not want to play in a competition that was effectively a closed shop. I mean, how do you how do you keep people's dreams going when you you, you won't let them in at the at the top level? I mean, it's just absolutely ludicrous. But I think the thing is, is what now happens from here because it's now not going to go back to where it was before. There's an awful lot of questions need to be answered. If you go on to forums at the moment, there's all sorts of thought, thoughts about what we're going to do now, what the, the, the ownership model is going to look like in the, in the future. There's lots of talk of the 50% plus one, which is the, is the German model on it. I guess that the problem that we've got at Liverpool Football Club at, at our level is, is that if, let's say, a situation where FSG decided out, they, they want out, you know, it's not working out as they planned. Um, who's going to buy us? I, I mean, there's only three real options, I suppose. It's either somebody who wants to make a lot of money, somebody who has made a lot of money, maybe through dubious circumstances and is looking for acceptance, or some, some form of state who uh, has got dubious human rights issues and they're looking for acceptance. So... It's a real interesting one, I think, Gav, as to how it goes forward from here. Actually, um, Dad, I'll I'll come to you. The the the, the point. I mean, I watched Jamie Carragher the other day, and he was obviously very angry, wasn't he? And he was saying, you know, these these owners will be will be run out of the club within a week if they if they get rid of Jurgen Klopp and all that sort of thing. And that all sounds great on the telly, but there's actually, logically that can't happen. You know, there's a club there that's worth two billion pounds, or, or or if we were to believe the the price that they've just been invested on, it was five hundred million for ten percent. So that would value it at five billion pounds. 
if my maths is correct, Steve will probably tell me yeah. tell me better. But you just can't get rid of you just can't get rid of owners like that. It doesn't work like that. You know, we're kind of we're stuck with them and and you know from John Henry's little video this morning, it was seemed very heartfelt. But you know, he just didn't sound like he was going anywhere. I mean, what's your what's your idea, Dad, on the, the position of the you know the future of FSG in the club? I, I'm quite amazed that people at that level of business have fell into what basically is a trap. And uh, I can't believe that they didn't really see that coming. When you, look, when, you, when you look at them, they've got to where they are, obviously, by being clever businessmen. And yet, really, to a man, they must have people who are advising them. They must have people who, 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 um, who write their scripts and tell them what to say and are giving them advice all the time. And actually walked into it without actually seeing it. Um, I think that all owners uh, have to make money. I would think that the Americans, um, they really didn't have anything to do with uh, with British football before, and seen an opportunity. I think they bought. Um, I think they bought Liverpool after the Hicks and Gillette fiasco, and um, they bought them. I think off the bank who Hicks and Gillette owed the money to, 245 million, with maybe some costs. So probably 300 million. And now Liverpool are worth, what, 2 billion? Something like that. And I'm surprised that people who have got that acumen actually haven't, haven't didn't see that coming. The other thing, I think, I've, I've actually read uh, what uh, John Henry has said, and I think it's, he's really, he, eating humble pie. Whoever wrote it for him has written it. Probably it's a, it's a humble statement. He's taken ownership of, of um, that it was his his decision, his problem, and uh, and is very, very sorry. And also he calls Liverpool Football Club your club. Which, which I, I think is very clever. Which is clever. So yes. if I'm cynical, I think it's, it's a very, I think... I think you must look at it and think we've just got this wrong. Every, but I'm surprised that people at that level have got it so wrong. Paul, you, you just just what on what my dad said there. I mean, isn't it isn't it giving them too much credit to say that there's advisors that have advised them wrong? I mean, personally, I just think that this was something they wanted to do, and they were like, "We're doing it regardless. There might be some fallout, but we're just doing it, and we'll deal with the fallout, and it'll get quieter as more details come out." I mean, what, what's your thought on that? Well, the thing is, your dad said, you know, it's, it's if someone's advising them, but at the end of the day, uh, John Henry's in charge of the decision making, so the book stops with him, as you would think it would with any major corporation. He can't just say, "Well, hang on, it's not my fault," because so and so told me it was a good idea. But he he must have made that decision. Finally, you know, the the, the the name on the bottom of the bit of paper must have been his, because no one can do it for him. Mm. And, but it's just the fact that it, it's it's. I don't know. It's I know you were getting us on. I've been thinking about this this morning when I've been out on my walk of how to try and talk about it. If you like, and it, it's just a situation that, that normal members of the public, you, you don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. You don't know what the arrangements been between the twelve clubs. Really, you don't know what he thought would happen because that's he doesn't explain that today. He didn't say, Well, what I, what I thought would happen would be this, 
And the other, the other lad's supposed to have done that email, isn't he? Yesterday, the uh, is he the financial Rodden, director? The, he's the, is the, I think he's the, the CEO on the UK. Yeah, so. you know, it, it's good for the club. Everyone get yeah. behind it. Yeah. Well, if they could come out and explain why they thought it was good for the club, whereas everyone else thinks it's not a good thing. But it seems to me it's, it's partly as well that they were trying to get this Champions League thing changed. Now, whether they're brave enough to do that, and then, you know, they say, well, UEFA will give more to the bigger clubs in this revamped Champions League, where you, apparently you can qualify for it if you've got a good record in it over the previous 20 years or however it works. You don't actually, they're talking about you don't have to qualify. Right. And that's what the big teams are worried about. You see, you see us this season. There's a distinct possibility we're not going to qualify for the Champions League next year. It was funny because my wife's arranged us to go away in October. And I said, it's up to Scotland. I said, well, have you done that? Because we don't know who we'd be playing. And then she said, you don't know if you'll be in it. Oh, Christ, yeah, no. Just, you know, it doesn't, doesn't strike you like that. She's made the plan to go to Scotland without knowing the fixtures in Scotland as well, which is ridiculous. We also have a team. There might even be a game there when they're there, but that's a different matter. But the fact that they've just gone ahead with this, and, you know, as your dad said, you'd love to know what the advice he's been given has been. But at the end of the day, he's top of the tree there. He's the one who makes the decisions. Because I'm sure if there was a right decision, he wouldn't be coming on saying, well, actually, I, he told me to say this. So if it's a wrong decision, which is what he's now said it is, it, it's down to him. But who takes over? You know, I, I always remember a few years ago, we were told when we had him on the league for about 28 years, it was at the time, we were having a discussion after a match once. And I just said, I don't care at the moment if Paul Potts took us over as long as we win the league. But again, that's, you know, it's taking it to a, Massive extreme that you wouldn't want to. We talk about City with their owners, with the you know, as your dad mentioned, the human rights things going on in them countries. But City are going to win the league this year. So if we were going to win the league at this point in time, there mightn't be such a fuss made about it if we're twenty points clear like yeah. we were last year. Yeah. But you, you just it's a, it is a baffling thing for me. It's a very difficult thing to know how to read, but the end of the day it's, it's his problem because he's he's signed the papers steve what do you think what do you think the res- they thought the response was going to be i wonder whether they thought well all the fans will be behind it because they'll have the security of knowing that we're going to be in this big competition every year so why would they not be into it why would they not be supportive of it because what we're actually giving them is football on the biggest stage without the risk of not being in that competition and what's actually happened is you know football without risk is actually rubbish it's not entertainment it's not we we all love football because the highs and the lows now we hate the lows obviously we get upset it it affects your emotional state you kick the dog and all that sort of stuff but without that it isn't the game that we remember do you I mean do you think that they thought we'd be happy I think what they've done, Gab, is they've actually shown tremendous naivety. Um, and I think that there's a total disconnect, really, between owners and, and, and fans. I mean, I, I watched your podcast with Paul Dalglish, and, and I learned a lot from that because I really didn't understand how the American model worked. Um, and, and Paul was making really good points about it not really being competition as such, it, it being entertainment. And at MSL level, it is a closed shop and everything operates uh, un, under that. And the way that value increases, um, I thought was, was, was really inter- interesting. 
I, I guess on the other side of the coin it, it is that, hey, they've been with us now since, what, 2010, 2011. They, they should really understand some of the strong feeling that Liverpool mm. fans have. I mean, they, they made a, a right mess up of the, the, the £70 tickets, didn't they? And, 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 and I was one that walked out on that particular occasion, and, and it, it, it changed. They, they made a right mess of the furlough scheme uh, because they just didn't understand what, you know, us fans who've been going to the game, in my case, since 1963 when I, I went to the first one, they just don't understand that it's, it's in our hearts, this club. This is more important than money. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I don't think that um, we would be really be interested in achieving something that we haven't actually worked for. The, the, our, our club, our club, we achieve things by hard work, endeavour, skill, talent, not because it's handed to us on a plate. I mean, quite frankly, you know, I think that a, a lot of the game works against us. So we do it in spite of the opposition. So I, I just think there's a total discount. I'm just really surprised, as, as Ed said, uh, that businessmen at that level just don't understand. that they, they maybe call us customers. I hate that term. But they don't understand how, what their customers are thinking and feeling. It's weird. You'd think you'd think that that be. I mean, like I said, I mentioned the Tony Barrett thing, but you have got the spirit of Shankly there. They, I don't know, Paul. You might have, a, or, or Steve, you might have an idea about this. They they set up a, a group that was supposed to work in conjunction with the club to discuss things like disability and LBGTQ and all that sort of stuff. And has that been disbanded? Did that get disbanded last season? No idea. To be honest, I'd, I'd love to answer, and I don't know. I know Tony Barrett used to be on Twitter and you could get in touch with him through that and then he abandoned that a couple of years ago because he was getting too much grief. But in the position he's in, he's the one who's got to not take the grief personally, of course, or any abuse to him personally, but he's the one who's getting asked questions by fans, which I thought he was the family liaison officer. But I've not heard him mentioned until today for about yeah. two, three years. Yeah. So I don't know what he's doing. You know, he may well be doing a good job behind the scenes, but it's very difficult to get in touch with him now. Yeah, I, th I think these guys, Paul, have got quite a difficult job, actually, because you, you're absolutely right. They take loads of abuse from fans, and it's like trying to satisfy everybody. I mean, Graham Smith, who who, who had some capacity on a fans liaison, I think he's I think he's uh, vice chairman of Spirit of Shankly uh, now. I mean, he withdrew from it, I think, because he, he just didn't want to take it anymore. I think, I mean, I think for for those sort of people who are in that position, to a certain extent, the the club and the top wigs at the club. I mean, I'll come to you on this, Dad. They're not getting listened to, so the club say we're thinking about doing this. What do you think the fan reaction will be? And they then to come to obviously go back to them and go, they're not going to be happy, and then the club do it anyway. So what's the point of them being in that position? I'm just, I'm just, as I said before, I'm just amazed that uh, people in, in of that level of ability, you would say, obviously because they've made a lot of money, um, just don't know. I mean, the other thing that I don't understand, I've seen lots of fans, I've read fans' forums, and I've, I, did, I wrote it in my blog for the Kenny Seven blog, and I said that they're saying that they're not going to support Liverpool anymore. Some of us are supporters, they said they're not going to, 
if this happens, I'm not going to support Liverpool. Hang on. I've been supporting Liverpool for 70 years. And uh, when, my, when my father clipped me round the ear, because my uncle took me to the Goodison Park as my first game. And he said, don't ever go there again, which I pretty well didn't. So I've been a Liverpool supporter. I live right opposite the ground, right opposite, right opposite the cup. And used to watch in those days, I used to watch the players come out from Anfield after training and get the bus. No cars, get the bus into town to maybe get the train over to Birkenhead because they lived in a posher part of Liverpool. So it's in your DNA. You can't, <laughs> you just don't switch off and say, well, the owners have done that. I'm not going to support Liverpool anymore. It sits in the blood. You know, it's Anfield's in you, it's in your soul. You can't just switch off like that. We'll, we'll put so it I that don't way understand as... these fans who want to switch off. But say that, Eddie, say someone says tomorrow, right, everyone can go to Mass Saturday if you've got your season ticket from last season. I'd be there. Yeah. You'd be there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we'd all be there. Exactly. Everyone would be I mean, I talked to Gavin a bit about this on other podcasts. Some of the things people put, who actually put the names to it and put it in writing. Of that's it now. I'm never supporting the club again. I was actually at one point on what day is it now? Wednesday, Monday night. I was taking screenshots on my phone so you can mention to people in a you know few months possibly when we're in a game starting next season. We're playing Everton yeah. September. Oh, I'm looking forward to the game. So you, you said you weren't going anymore, <laughs> and then their argument would be, "Well, we didn't follow it through." So, well, you still saying it's like people who didn't want us to win on Monday. Unbelievable! Yeah, that like, was... when we played when we played Blackburn and United could have won the league in ninety four or ninety five, whatever that that season. I wanted us to beat Blackburn that day, and now people are turning up round us with Blackburn scarves on. It was murder by us in the main stand because there's people who sat there all the time. I said, "We've we've got to beat Blackburn, and then if United win, that's down to them." But I don't want Blackburn to beat us today. But there was there was a few, you know, there were scuffles in the stand by us because people were supporting Blackburn. When Shearer scored, they're up clapping and cheering. I said, what, what are you doing? It's a goal against Yorty. I never want us to get beat, no matter if it helps Everton, if it helps Man City. I never want us to not win a game. Absolutely. But you know, you know where that comes from. Did the job anyway. So yeah. what, what are your feelings about the club Obviously, you guys have, you know, you've you've been supporting the club for a long time. What are your feelings about the club today, you know, and, and in light of this, as compared to back in, the, you know, back in the day when the, the club was run by, it was very much more a community-run club by owners who had an affinity to the club. I mean, what, how, Paul? Let's come to you. What, what, what's your feeling on on the club today? Do you recognise it? Does it, does it, does that have an effect on how you feel about the club? Not. Not game-wise or supporting the club. In fact, some in some ways, with some of the idiotic comments they've been getting made by fans of other teams recently, it makes you want to support them more, if that's possible. Or certainly be more bullish about your support for them. Because sometimes you think, well, you know, this hasn't been a good season results-wise. But you, st- you still, it's people, when, they, when they, they say, like, as you say, you don't want us to win or something, the, the club are vastly different from when my dad was there, which football's vastly different. My dad was there for six years of the Sky era from 92, which is, you know, that's been conveniently forgotten now. The teams that weren't 
were invited to go onto the Sky platform in 92, or some of the ones now saying, this is awful. But they crapped on all the lower teams in 92, as it's like Liverpool did, because we joined it. Mm. But we were in the top division then. But you've got the likes of Oldham and that. They were in that first season in the top flight. If they got asked to, no, not Oldham particularly, but any team who's from the top flight who got asked to go into this, whether they'd have gone into it, none of them have been asked. There's no proof who's been asked other than the six who did. But it's, it's a totally different world. And I was like, when people say to me, what would your dad think? I really don't know. Because it's such a different world. It's like football's totally different. But then if you watch old games on the telly, it's the, it's the same on the pitch. It's everything else has changed mm. for me. But that's my opinion on it. Like, you know, it, it's not the same as it was 20 years ago, even now. What do you think, Steve? Um, yeah, building on, I suppose, on what uh, Paul said there, and Ed, you, you said as well. Uh, there's been, I'll be honest, there's been times that I've felt like walking away, uh, particularly under Hicks and Gillette. That was the low point for me. And I wouldn't, for the simple reason, if, if I walk away, they've stolen the club from me. You know, what was me, my dad's club and, and Ed, my, my, my brother's club and my eldest brother's club and no longer with us, they've stolen that away. And I'm, I can't let them do that. Mm. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're not, cus- I mentioned the word customers. We're not, we're not customers. We're hostages, really, aren't we? You know, mm. we, 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 can't, we can't walk away. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, uh, that's why the customer thing annoys me so, so much because a customer can go and buy a different product. I, I, I can't decide one day to go and support Everton or, or Wolves or, or Villa or whatever it may be because you just don't do things like, like that if, you, if, you, if you're a fan. Sure, I'd maybe like it back to the dreamy days of 1977 when we won that first European Cup and, and, and Ed, I was with you in Rome. It was, it was fantastic. It was the, the, the best game I've ever been to. But as you rightly say, Paul, it's changed now. You know, it, it's moved on, and you've got you've got to adapt with that and, and 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 move with the times. I just accept that. What about you, Dad? Do you think that this this I mean, this instance now or the way things are run now has that had any effect on the way you feel about the club? No, not not at all. And um, as you know, Gav, I was at Hillsborough on that day of the match. I still feel that and tried. The people we were with uh, was with an, uh, an off-duty policeman, Liverpool policeman, and a doctor. And uh, but those days, everyone at that time, obviously the Margaret Thatcher era, um, anyone who went to a football match was a hooligan. We went, uh, and it was a lot of people's fault. It wasn't, you know, just the police's fault. We went and asked the policeman, "Could we go down?" on the pitch, I was lucky, I was in the stand. Could we go down on the pitch and help and help out and, 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 uh, and help them out? And 96 of our fellow fans uh, didn't come back from, from that. And that's, you just don't, you just, you just don't sweep that away. That's, I mean, what a great thing. In all this has happened, what a great thing that Harvey Elliott, I don't know whether you've seen the pictures yeah, of him, taking a, Taking a, 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 a wreath, you know, and placing it there. If ever a lad is gonna, what I wanted to make it, get emotional now, with, with my club, it would be him. Mm. 
because he seems to have what we all have in our hearts, in your DNA. You mm. can't just throw it away. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch any other team unless they play a Liverpool football club. Yeah. I don't watch internationals. I, wa- I only watch Liverpool. I'm only interested in Liverpool. Mm. That may be boring with some people, but that's all I'm interested in. Liverpool Football Club. I get that. Well, I think so, that's pretty clear. Before we um, before we wrap up, I've got all this all this experience in front of me. Do you know what I mean? And like I said at the beginning, you know, sixteen European Cup finals, eleven FA Cup finals. Have you got any stories? I know you have, Dad, because you, Christ, you've got some stories uh, that, which I've probably all heard. But have you got any stories of of anything that happened? Um, I know there was Steve. There was a story of you meeting Shankly outside of. The stadium, what, what what was that? And Paul, I'm going to see if you've got any, any, any good. And Ed, you were with me as well, and it, and it was really yeah. strange. I mean, Rome 77, not only my first European Cup final, the first time I'd ever been abroad, quite honestly, never been on an aeroplane. So it was a big special occasion for me. So we, we get up to the Stadio Olimpico, and, uh, and we're just sort of milling round, and, and, and it's a beautiful, balmy evening. And all of a sudden, Bill Shankly is stood there. And, and somehow, somehow, he became separated from the official party. And, and he was outside the stadium, and, and they wouldn't actually let him in. Talking to the fans, he was. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, hey, this man is a legend. You let this guy in, you know. And eventually... we you know who he happened. is? It did happen. But I, I've got a beautiful piece of memorabilia from that, because... Um, before they let him in, he actually uh, autographed the back of my match ticket. And, yeah. and that, that is the best piece of memorabilia that I've got to this day. It, it is, it, it, I treasure it. Brilliant. Dad, have you got anything come to mind? I've got a special thing. We're doing, we, you're doing this for Kenny Seven. I mean, of all the players that I've seen, I've been lucky enough to be, to be his friend. But of all the players I've ever seen, and this sums him up, um, he came and see me and he said, I said, um, are you doing okay? Fine, we're having a chat. He said, um, we played at Wembley and we, he was in London. He said, we went to a concert. Um, it was, um, mine's gone now. We went to kind of see, um, Elton John, Elton John coming. So I said, he said, yeah, we went uh, backstage and he uh, put a bit of a party on for us. And I said, so the team, we, we went and the team went. And I said, oh, what was he like? He said, he was great. He's just dead ordinary like me and you. And I looked at and I went, do you realise you're Kenny Daglish? <laughs> and he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that sums up Kenny Daglish. Brilliant, brilliant. Paul, you got anything? Uh, just a couple of quick ones. One was Rome 84. Uh, which was a vastly different experience to Rome 77 uh, for obvious reasons when you're playing the home team. But at the end, we our tickets were, the Liverpool fans were behind the goal at one end, obviously, but our tickets were in the corner bit. We had tickets, so there wasn't as many Liverpool fans in the corner. So it was a little bit safer there because you were further away from the Roma fans who were on the left-hand side trying to fire rockets and stuff into the Liverpool fans but anyway the end of the game comes the players are going around with the European Cup my dad's walking around with them but he actually seen me in the stand where we were so my dad's waving the European Cup and pointing up at us 
So if you, you can't get much better than that. Brilliant. Other than Brilliant. the other quick one was him leading them out in 92 at Wembley against oh. Sunderland. Because there's a picture. Uh, if you Google Ronnie Moran Wembley, there's a picture of my dad waving up towards the crowd and he's actually waving at where we were. He's waving at us on that picture. So him leading them out at Wembley was good as well. So them two, seeing how, us in Rome. How old were you then when he, was, when he led you uh, the team out when he was manager? 30. 30. So you were yeah. fully aware that that was a special, special moment. Oh, no. Well, we, did, yeah. we didn't know he was going to do it. It was uh, Sunus wasn't well, as you know, yeah. with the heart operation. And there was still talk of Sunus was going to lead them out right. because that's not stressful as such. Yeah. But then on the day, we were down the other end. We were at the end where... Michael Thomason, uh, Brushy scored to the side of the goal. Obviously, we were on the right-hand side of the pitch. The, the tunnels are way out to our right. Uh, and we're just looking and someone went, because there's no screens then either. So as the teams are coming out, you hear the band going, we say, they're coming out now. And then we're looking and we just seen it was my dad in front because we seen the sun shining off his head. So we, <laughs> we knew it was him. And then he'd come onto the pitch and then he, see, he knew where we were sit, sitting in the ground in the rough area, so he looked over and he's seen us. Brilliant. So, them two will do me. Ah, lovely stuff. Well, listen, boys, I've really enjoyed I had, it. Listen, Gav, I had a bad story. 84 final in Rome. I went with the uh, families of our players and my job was to look after um, Sunessa's dad. As we were walking to the ground, the opposing fans were throwing bricks down on us and I pushed Sunez's dad who was in his 70s then into the police the police van and the bricks were bouncing off the top of it and and the and the police Italian police actually threw us out wow of the van well thanks for uh, us ending on a really bright note there dad um, sorry mate appreciate sorry. that we won though we won it we did win we yeah did. we did it with it yeah Lovely stuff, boys. Well, listen, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it and uh, hopefully we'll do it again. Thanks very much yeah. to, uh, to you, Dad, Steve, Paul. Thanks very much for uh, being involved. And um, if you watch this on YouTube, give us a, uh, just click that subscribe button and uh, and like the content as well. Thanks very much. I'll uh, see you again. Cheers. Okay. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.